Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yes, welcome Supercoach 365 podcast. We're back for another set of team previews today. Four teams to get through and once again, Ryan and Tommy to take you through it all. Tommy, how are you? Yeah, Ryan, good mate. Good to see some footy last night with the All-Stars match. Another trial as well. And I'm good to be talking about the Canberra Raiders today amongst four other teams. Yeah, sporting uh, the green of Canberra there. Um, had a few chances to wear it last year with pride anyway. Anyway, hopefully 2022 better on that front uh, for you, Canberra's fans alike. Uh, before we dive into the Raiders, of course, one of four teams will chat as well as the Dragons, the Bulldogs and the Roosters. You mentioned last night, All-Stars footy. How good was it to have competitive rugby league back on our TV? Yeah, awesome to see. And I think the pre-match, the haka and the war dance from the Indigenous team, I think that's becoming a real a real highlight of the whole the whole uh, exhibition match. I think everyone was really keen for that pre-match. And the game was pretty good too. I think the rain kind of changed the way the game was played. It was a lot more defensive and a grinding affair, but it was still, a, still an eye-opening match. Absolutely. And of course, um, plenty of super coach implications to come out of it as well. I guess we didn't have to wait too long to see what David Fafita could do. Uh, we've been singing his praises here, and uh, already this morning his ownership's gone up. So it didn't take long for super coaches to come rushing for a man who we've said alongside maybe Cleary and Payne Haas is probably one of very few must-haves to start the new season. Yeah, we don't love that term must-haves, but like I agree, he's pretty close to it, and I think his performance last night backed that up. But there is a little bit of an injury concern coming out of the game, isn't there? Yeah, um, supposedly suffered a rib cartilage injury, which um, I think they're pretty hard to isolate and they can hang around for a fair while. He may miss uh, the rest of the Titans trials. So that's, um, I mean, not really that he needs the fitness or he doesn't need to go out and prove himself this time around this year, um, as maybe he would have you know, had that point to prove last year as their big signing. But um, I think, yeah, give him a couple of weeks off, get him fit in the season. I think their first game's on that Saturday. Um, you could probably tell me. Um, 
but that's that gives him about a month between now and then to get that right or get it better than it is currently anyway. Yeah, it'll be interesting to follow um, over the next few weeks because you've obviously got Cleary already on Cleary Watch for round one and mm. if we're on for Fida Watch as well, it's going to be really interesting our first round of the season. Particularly when we're splashing a combined one point well, close to 1.7 mil on those two. Um, at the other end of the scale, a cheaper player, again, by the name of Fafita, Andrew. I think he was really impressive. Uh, didn't really know what to expect from him last night. And I say that he was impressive because, again, six months ago, you listen to the Rugby League guru, his um, preview of the All-Stars game, he said Fafita was almost dead. And to have him out there playing 40, 50 minutes of footy, first game for the year, mind you, and he was in everything for the for the Indigenous side. And I think you, you said that pre-game. How emotional was uh, Andrew Fafita amongst all of that? Yeah, he was probably the most emotional-looking player on the field, you'd have to say. He was really getting into it. And then he carried that uh, emotion into the game. And he played, he played really well, like you said. He was in everything, whether it be good or bad, a couple of fights and that. It's, that's just what you get with him, though, isn't it? So, look, on passion alone, if he can show that week in, week out for the Sharks, he might get a spot in there, 7-8. Do you have any other takeaways? I thought Nico Hines was solid without being amazing, and you mentioned that rain there made it more of a defensive battle. The thing for mine with Nico Hines is that I took away not so much his general play, but his goal kicking. Um, he missed that first goal, and then it seemed like he was pretty happy to either hand it over to Braden Trindle. That's a little bit concerning for mine because you look at his stats from last year, Nico Hines, he relied so heavily on his goal kicking. It made up 20% of his overall super coach output. Yeah, there was a lot of social media about the goal-kicking situation with uh, Trindle and Hines. And just from what I saw, Hines, he didn't really look to have a great technique with the, with the ball on the tee. Uh, I think Trindle is a lot more of a natural goal-kicker. So I would go Trindle if I was Fitzgibbon, but we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. In terms of their performance overall, the Sharks' spine for the Indigenous, I think it's pretty hard to judge. It was a really wet night, like you say. I don't think we can really go off that. I think Craig Fitzgibbon, the Sharks coach, would just be happy that they didn't get injured, really. Something that hasn't been spoken about, um, I guess, too much anyway, that I've seen this morning, was the race to the Warriors number six, or who's the partner, Sean Johnson. I thought Harris DeVita and Nicarima both played pretty well. Nicarima obviously scored that try, but something that um, that I picked up on late in that game, Chanel Harris DeVita actually moves to fullback. So maybe there's a chance with Reese Walsh suspended round one that they could fit all three in this lineup. Walsh, sorry, Walsh aside, but Harris, Tavita, Nicarima, and Johnson all there for round one. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces there at the Warriors, and then last year you also had Sean O'Sullivan there, so they had so many options and they kept chopping and changing. I've been impressed with Chanel Harris, Tavita at various times. I think he's a pretty progressive half, so I'd like to see him get the the nod at six. But then, then again, like you said, Cody Nicarima was really good last night, and he. He spoke really well after the game as well. He seems like a good player to have in your team. So, I don't know. They've got a lot of options. They do. And it's an interesting one as well because with those three, they've all kicked goals at different stages as well. And uh, Sean Johnson obviously coming back from that injury last year. He didn't kick goals at the Sharks. We've already mentioned Trindle, how good he was off the tee. Harris Tavita, Nicarima, Johnson. Whoever gets the goal kicking out of those three in the trials and beyond, I think there's a little bit of value there. But it's a bit of a wait and see because that is so important for each of those three players. Uh, outside of that All-Stars game, uh, also yesterday, the Broncos, too good for winner Manly, 52-4. I don't know if the um, result or the scoreline there does any justice to how the teams played. I didn't actually watch the game myself, though I tried to. The stream on YouTube was just absolutely unbearable. But 
Um, all reports the Broncos played pretty well. Billy Walters impressed, playing that dummy half role. And uh, Jordan Pereira looks to have uh, won some admirers as well. I think he scored a double and, and busts plenty of tackles there. So um, some cheaper players there at Brisbane that may come into contention. But the result in this one probably can't read into it too much. No, you wouldn't think so. I didn't watch it either. But uh, I did see a bit of social media about Pereira's performance. It was pretty good, apparently. Um, I think just getting a win over a team like Wynnum just helps the confidence of the young Broncos team heading into the new year, obviously coming off a couple of rubbish seasons. So they don't want any bad results pre-season. Yeah, I think this time last year we were talking about how Wynnum beat the Broncos. So at least a one-up in 2022 on that um, pretty dismal effort to start the year uh, in the trials last year for the Broncos. Uh, let's get into these four teams, Tommy. As I say, we're chatting the Dragons, the Bulldogs, the Raiders, and the Roosters today. Uh, actually, before we do, just a reminder, you can catch us on YouTube. Search Supercoach365 uh, if you're listening to this uh, on your podcast streams, uh, iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get yours. Uh, you can listen to us or watch us in season 2022 and really appreciate everyone who's been getting behind us, uh, both listening and watching the preseason content we've been churning out uh, thus far. Tommy, let's get into the Dragons, though. Um, a side that has, I guess, plenty of question marks hanging over it in 2022. I think they underperformed last season. And there's a couple of questions. And one of those questions for mine is, is how do they get their best 17 onto the field? And, and it sounds silly, but I think they've just got so many moving parts there. And that's shown by, um, by one of their most popular supercoach assets in uh, Young Amon there. Yeah, where they fit all these young players in, we speak of Amone, Jaden Sullivan, Tyrell Sloan will play fullback. And then you've got Moses Vai coming to the club as well, who is a natural utility player. He could fit in anywhere. So it's hard to really lock down a best 17 for the Dragons. Obviously, NRL.com have done their best with it. Uh, Some forward pieces as well, some pieces in the forwards. You've got Jack DeBell and Jack Bird probably both going for that lock jersey. So, yeah, a lot to play out. But I have to say, across the whole team, I don't see a lot of quality. How about you? Yeah, the best 17 on the screens here now. They've got uh, Amon in the centres there and Sullivan at six. Uh, maybe that could flip and Sullivan goes to 14 and Bai goes to centre. I don't know. I don't, And I guess we'll learn this uh, in the coming weeks with the trials. Jack Bird at 13. I like that. I think he's a bigger body and he does have those skill sets about him to distribute the ball. I was seeing him play 5'8 and, and fullback in his career to this point. So 13, probably a natural transition given how his body's changed in recent years. Uh, but you look around there and this team should be performing better. Particularly, I mentioned last year how they underperformed. They should have been performing better than what they did. I thought they could have made the top eight last year at different stages, but just underperforming. And I think the biggest problem for them, or one of their biggest problems, is Ben Hunt. He's there in Jersey 7. But I think it doesn't take, you know, you don't have to have watched too much rugby league to have said, well, what we've seen from Ben Hunt, he plays his best footy out of number nine. And that's when they've looked their best, the Dragons. He is probably a better hooker, but I think for the Dragons, he probably has to be halfback because they just need a decent halfback. They probably don't have anyone else who can fill that void. They had Adam Clune there last year, but I don't think he's really up to first grade standard for it. Um, look, I don't know. I look at their team. They do have some big names, but I feel like a lot of their forwards are maybe probably past their best, to be honest mm. with you. People like Aaron Woods. Uh, I don't know. He's a solid player. Even on Supercoach Draft, he could get 50 points for you, but he's not He's not winning your games of footy. How I knew you'd say that. Play? I knew you'd talk up Aaron Woods. I think every year we've played Draft, you've had him because he just he's one of those players you know he's just going to do a job. 
Oh, yeah, I'm not talking him up. Like, I'm actually probably bagging him, if anything. I'm just saying in super coach terms, he could get you 50 points if you need it. But, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of their forwards are getting quite old now. People like George Burgess, maybe he can come on and play 25 good minutes. But, I don't know. You mix the old forwards with their really inexperienced backliner. Mm. I think it's going to be a long year for the Dragons. Yeah, we'll get into our season predictions in just a moment. But you mentioned those forwards there. I think... It... As well as their age for mine, it's just how they all play. Like, they're all very similar builds. You think of um, Blake Laurie, Daniel Alvaro, even um, Peter Hollow, who they've signed from the Cowboys. They're all pretty like-for-like. Like, I don't know, stocky types who have that impact for 20, 25 minutes, and then they go off, and they just don't have that offload. Um, Burgess, you mentioned him there. He's coming off a hit. I think it's a full hip replacement. And listening to the NRL physio the other day on his... Um, extended podcast with the guys from Weekly Rubdown. If you haven't listened to that, after you finish here, go listen to that. It's two hours of absolute gold. But the physio says he's coming off this hip injury, a full replacement, or I think it's that he's got metal in his hip, I don't know, whatever it is, but no one in rugby league has ever attempted to do what Georgia Burgess is doing. So, again, he's cheap price, and I think he's actually undervalued. If he play, if he comes out and plays well, there's value, there's money to be made there, but do you really want to start with a bloke who's you know got a hip like an 80-year-old grandma? I'm, I'm not sure. No, I won't be. But you, like like you said before, they have a lot of lifelike forwards and not a lot of great forwards. So you'd think if he's doing anything at all, he'll probably make the bench at least. So he's definitely one to watch out for. you got Josh McGuire to come back as well. I think he's suspended early doors. So he's another who's been okay on Supercoach in the past. But like overall, not doing a lot with the Dragons. Maybe Zach Lomax, we haven't mentioned him yet. He's, I guess, their best player by far. Yeah, he is. 11% owns Zach Lomax. Uh, Amone, 29%. So I think that dual center wing 5.8 really helps his cause. And that, I think it's about 280K he is. So it's, it's a great price. So you'd have to almost get him in, I think. Um, otherwise, though, we've already mentioned Ben Hunt, owned by just 1%. And I think he loses his relevance this year, given the fact he's lost that um, dual position with Hooker. I think particularly in draft, like he was always great to have in the, in the halfback slot. Or, you know, being able to shift him up to hooker if need be because he would, particularly when he's playing nine, make 30, 40 tackles and getting that base out of your, your number seven. That's going very, very well. Uh, some pod plays for the Dragons. You've already mentioned Sloan, owned by 9%. And then this moving role between Bird and, and Jack DeBellin. I think this is going to shape their numbers a little bit. 7% own Bird, 2% DeBellin. I think whatever way that goes, that could have implications for their ownerships. Yeah, I think Bird probably has more upside if he is given the 13. Because remember early in his career when he was at the Sharks, he was sort of being compared to Brad Fittler almost a mm. little bit in how he played. Probably not the same ability, but you know what I mean. And Brad Fittler was a capable lock. So I'd probably like to see Jack Bird get a crack there. But they ended the last year with the Bell in there. So I don't know what uh, the coach will come up with. But I think if Bird is given 13, it might be worth a play. Yep, otherwise, we've already mentioned some of their burning questions hanging over the team. Yeah, obviously, what the team even looks like, what their forward pack looks like. What about this money ball term that we're hearing out of the Dragons? Every year, it's, you know, hooks, great spending, and you know, f- filling in their, all these old blokes at cheap prices and building this top eight team. Do you see them making the top eight, given their roster and the, its potential, or where are we sitting on the Dragons this year? I really dislike the team, to be honest. I just think... The forwards, like you said, it's kind of that cheap being there, done that forwards. But I just think you look at the four-pack as a whole, and other than Tarek Sims, I just don't see any quality there, really. There's too many question marks. They're all 
old and injury prone. Josh McGuire gets suspended every week. Mm. And then you've got the backs, which some of these young backs, they could be really good players, let's be honest, and Zach Lomax already is. But I just don't see... They're all very young, like Sloan, Sullivan, Amon. I don't know. I feel like they're all kind of coming through at the same time. I just want to see him do it first. So I've actually got them coming last this year. I just yeah, think right. it could be a bad year for the Dragons. Yeah, I had them pretty close to the bottom. I had them uh, at 15th. And the thing for mine is, as you mentioned, those three young kids there, I think that'll help to change that narrative or what we've seen, that they've been predictable in attack or, or dull even at times. They've got the fourth worst error rate of any team, uh, average errors per game, that is, and it's, it's pretty much you know, it's decimal points as to how they're not first the third least offloads of any team last year. So I think these younger guys, it's, it's obviously a bright future down there at the Dragons, but it may take, you know, have this conversation in 12 months' time. We, we may be talking very differently about uh, this team. But 15th for mine and 16th for yours on the Dragons. So um, Lomax, before we very quickly move on, I just want to say I think he's in for a big year. I think he's, how he played last year with, with Dufty in the team or in years gone by, those two linked up really well. I think Sloan probably even helps that, even more so. Uh, I think he can bring out the best in Lomax. And he had a really bad uh, year with injury last year, Lomax. When he got back, and I've said this a couple of times on different podcasts, but when he got back, he played four matches. I think he averaged 73 points per game. And in those games, the Dragons lost by an average of 14 points. So it just shows you that regardless of whether they're winning, losing, He's always going to be a solid scorer, 73 points per game. If he keeps doing that, I, th- I think he's the third best center wing option behind, uh, obviously, Ruben Garrick and Brian To'o. I think you can pencil in Lomax as, as the third best come the year's end, if he stays fit. Yeah, I'd echo everything you just said there. I, I had him last year in draft, and I pretty much waited 10, 12 weeks for him to get over his injury. But he actually made it up to me when he got back, like you said there. He had some really good scores in mm-hmm. a team that was being decimated, really. So, um, no, he's a great player and a great goal kicker. He, he barely misses, so big ups to him as well. Absolutely, and he's hoping he gets the chance to kick some goals this year because uh, the Dragons, I don't know, we obviously don't have them finishing too high up, but they may lose games, uh, you know, 28 points to 30, the way that they've defended uh, in recent years as well. Tommy, let's move on to uh, a team with plenty of upside this year, going off from what we saw last year, but someone who's completely changed the roster. They've uh, they've pulled the trigger, and it's almost like they've just wiped the, the, the slate clean, I guess you could say. Of course, speaking of the Bulldogs, and the best 17 here, it looks very different to the, the names that were on this list this time last year when we went over the Bulldogs ahead of 2021. Yeah, well, of the 16 teams... I just have no idea about the Bulldogs. How would you know what's going to happen, really? Their team is... I know the Dolphins are coming in next year as a new team, but the Dogs are almost a new team this year. It's just a completely different squad. It's hard to um, hard to wrap your head around what's going to happen. Some exciting names on paper. You'd have yeah. to think they're going to make a much better fist of it than they have the past few seasons. Uh, man on your screen there. Sorry, as I just sit my two is new. Uh, Matt Burton. I think what he brings to this team... I mean, we're all hoping it's what we've seen on potential from him at the Panthers, but it's going to be a very different role, this one. Uh, hands on the ball, his possessions are going to go up. I don't think he'll be able to maintain the quality in his possessions. The quantity will obviously go up, but he's owned by 10% of uh, super coaches to this point. My question to you, Tommy, I think that's too high. Given his price and given his new role at a new team, I'm actually surprised he's owned by that many coaches to start the new season because what are they basing that off? Yeah, it's, it's massively changed for him, hasn't it? He's gone from being 
at the Penrith Panthers, a premiership team in the centres just getting room service ball all game. Mm. So now going to a team he's run last the past few seasons where he's charged with pretty much being the primary playmaker. So he's really going to have a shock to the system this year and it'll be the making or the breaking of him this year, really. But we'll see how good he is because he's got a massive job ahead of him. They've obviously signed plenty of attacking strike there. Burton obviously uh, probably leads that alongside Josh Adokar, but uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. owned by 28%, so super coaches think he can have an immediate impact at his new club. Uh, Brent Naden as well. Uh, they obviously already had Aaron Shoup, who we were both impressed by last year. Braden Burns, a new name. I mean, there's no shortage of options um, for scoring points, but for mine, it's can they defend that? Because they conceded 710 points last year, the third worst of all teams at 29.5 points per game. So they're giving up five tries on average. You're not winning many games of rugby league when you're conceding that many points. No, you're not. And I, I just don't know how much we look into last year, though, really, with these new names. I think it could be... It's obviously a blessing to have all these great new signings, but the biggest challenge is going to try and get them on the same page, really, because you've got you know six, seven new names. Mm. They're all going to have to try and work out systems and uh, methods that work. With Trent Barrett's going to have to have a really big job coaching them there. So... Look, I don't know what happens with them this year. It's a, they're definitely an exciting team to watch, given all the new talent. Um, TPJ, Davida Pangai Jr., 28% ownership. I know you're singing his praises this year. Yeah, I am. I think particularly at front row, uh, I always preface it or you know, put an asterisk beside that because I think you play him at front row on Supercoach, you're pretty much playing him out of position because I think he plays on Burton's edge and Burton's just going to dish him ball. Uh, whether he scores or not, then that's, you know up to Pangai, I guess, but he's always going to be in the game, is, is what I'm getting at there. Uh, I think he plays big minutes, and may not play 80, but even if he's playing 60, 65, the way he plays his game is very super coach friendly. Um, we, it's funny, we haven't even mentioned Matt Dufty yet, and he's probably one of their, you know, going to be the focal point of their attacker side, Burton. Um, you think of chiming in and the way he, he plays his game super coach friendly as well, but uh, owned by just 1% of super coaches at this stage, I guess, given his way... Well, the, the way he finds himself in the game behind the likes of Turbo, Teddy, Paps, it's probably fair enough that he's not really as well-owned. But that, that I'm going to say he's going to be super coach relevant at some point or another this season. Oh, he's definitely a victim of being a fullback in super coach because, like you said, they've got so many great fullbacks on the super coach game. And Dufty last year was interesting. He'd score, you know, 70 to 80 super coach points and then the next week he'd get dropped from the team. So he was... He was kind of annoying. So he's a good super coach player when he's on, uh, yeah. and he should get a first crack at the at the dogs um, fullback role here. And with good players in the team as well, you know, you've got Burton and Josh Adokar. He can link up with them. He could be, put some pretty good scores on. We've spoken about the one. We've spoken about the six. I think the biggest question mark for the Bulldogs is who plays seven. Obviously, excuse me, who plays seven? Obviously, but then who's in number nine? I think. They've obviously got options at dummy half, but at number nine, you see, I think it's Marshall King was touted to, to get first crack. And then they've got Beyondi Odo coming off the bench who played all of his junior footy in the halves. So it could just be a 12-month holding pattern waiting for Reed Marnie to get there. Yeah, well, he's a big uh, big signing in 2023. But I do think between you know, Avarillo, Marshall King and Beyondi Odo, I actually think they're three decent players they showed pretty good signs last year mm. they had nothing to work with around them in terms of the forwards and the backs they've actually got some decent quality in the squad now so it'll be interesting to see what they can do with it 
Yeah, a bit of a wait and see this one. Uh, we've mentioned here that um, well, obviously Paul Vaughan comes to the club as well. Haven't mentioned him yet, but he might shore up that middle a little bit there. Obviously an Origin player just a couple of years ago. He's represented Australia as well. I've seen some question marks about that, you know, at that front row slot. If you're not going with Haas or TPJ and a lot of these other options there, you know, you took a Manu Springs to mind. Paul Vaughan, not a bad shout. I think in his you know, heyday at the Dragons when he was playing Origin or rep footy at least, he was averaging about 60 points a game, which uh, is, is handy, very handy for a front rower. And he has that knack of finding a try line every now and again as well. Uh, otherwise, there's some value. I've already mentioned uh, in the center wing slots with Naden and Shook, particularly, probably more for draft. I think whoever wins the race to that right center role might have some draft value. Shook, particularly, his base is very, very good. And Paul Alamotti as well. This young kid has been touted through the SG ball ranks at the Dogs. I've got here in the notes, he's enough with upside. I think as recent as uh, last week or the week before, he was actually training with the first team and uh, he'd relegated Shook to the reserves with Kyle Flanagan and... Um, you know, some of those other names, uh, Joe Stimson, etc. So, Alamotti might even be in front of Shop, and at that price, 178000 I think, that could be a massive win for super coaches. Yeah, I was quite keen on Shop last year. He was just sort of standing out in a bad team, but like you said there, there is a bit of competition for that spot. So, definitely waiting for Teamless Tuesday there, but that could be a good cheapie that you mentioned also. I'd, just, I'd say Luke Thompson is another mm. pod I think I mentioned in. Previous podcast, I think he, uh, yeah, I think he's only only owned by around five percent, and he still averaged sixty six last year. I'm not sure how the new forwards coming to the club will impact him, whether it hurts or or helps. But I still think he's you know he's worth a shot. Definitely, and he, he, I guess his game is so minutes dependent as well. So we always say this. He's speaking about these players who need those minutes. Um, Keep an eye on the trials. I know it won't tell us everything, but it will tell us something. So uh, plenty to look forward to at the Bulldogs in the coming weeks, right across the board as well in the NRL. Uh, the trials kicking off uh, next weekend, I think, uh, the first round of trials um, very, very soon. Tommy, uh, I've got the Bulldogs coming ninth. I think they just missed finals footy. I think they're maybe 12 months away from playing uh, top eight footy at the end of the year. Yeah, I've got them in 12th, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they got up towards ninth. I think they'll be in that just outside the eight. It'll be definitely an exciting watch, and I'm, I'm not confident in tipping them 12th. I'm just, I just really want to wait and see what they can provide. Wait and see. We will. We're going to take a short break, and coming up after the break, we're talking the Raiders and the competition heavyweights to Sydney Roosters. Having a bet on the racing this week? Top this. With Top Sport's Best of the Best Maltese, top odds are guaranteed. Place a Best of the Best multi during Saturday Metro meetings for the top flug or dividend from the best three national totes. Plus, there's Best of the Best to win up to five grand too. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. Welcome back, Supercoach365 podcast, proudly brought to you in 2022 once again by topsport.com.au. Great to have their support again in our second season and hopefully for the years to come as well. Tommy, you've got dressed up for the occasion, Canberra Raiders. Um, I gave you a little bit of a shot at the top there. I said you didn't get a chance to wear that too often last year. Are you confident this year that the Raiders will be better? Because I think sitting down to to put some notes together. I didn't know the word to sum up the Raiders' season. You would have watched all about every game last year. How would you sum it up? Because I think it was frustrating, at least. That's, that's a word that springs to mind. Shit is another one. Um, <laughs> it was a nightmare every year, really. I went into the season thinking, 
we come off the back of, you know, grand final runners up 2019, prelim final 2020. Mm. And then that last year, I don't know, no one saw it coming really. Off the field, we were a shamozzle as well. We lost our halfback halfway through the years, went home. So literally, you know, nothing more could have went wrong than did. So I'm just looking at our roster this year. I'm pretty excited. I still think we've got a lot of depth in good positions. Right. And really, I just think we'll bounce back to life a little bit. I've got here as well in the notes, um, speaking about their Supercoach assets and, and even pod plays. I couldn't think of one. And... Not a shot at, at um, well, I guess maybe it is a shot at the Raiders, the way they play the game. It's not super coach friendly, and I think you mentioned, obviously, George Williams went home. He had upside at times. Another big name that we haven't really spoken of or that I haven't seen credited with too much of the effect of why the Raiders dropped off, but John Bateman. I think what he brought to this Raiders squad, it can't really be quantified. Obviously, his numbers were, were great. I shouldn't say that, but he just brought this hardness, but also that little bit of footy in him that the Raiders probably lacked a lot of last year. Yeah, he had that real X factor. I know that's a term that's used mm. a lot, but he really had the X factor. You don't know what he was going to do when he got up to the line. Johnny Bateman, so he was a big loss and probably understated at the time how big a loss he was. But just looking across the board at our team, there's probably is no out and out super coach stars. Whether or yeah. not that translates to our actual on field success, I don't know. Probably Josh Hodgson a few years ago was our best super coach player, but the emergence of uh, Tommy Starling on the bench sort of eating into his minutes has kind of put the brakes on uh, Josh Hodgson. I've got that. And that's annoying, I think, for super coaches because we all feel like that they'd be better with Hodgson either out of the team entirely or coming off the bench and playing through the middle and adding a bit of ball playing. But I think the thing that, that is stopping Ricky from doing that is he's you know been their captain as recent as, I think, last year, maybe the year before. Has he handed that job away? I'm not sure. But he's such a... A veteran, and for so long, you know, since he sort of got to the club in this Ricky era where they did build a patch of dominance, he was the main point in their attack. So it's hard to then just say, "All right, mate, your legs are a bit old now. See you later." That's exactly right. You know, when we were at our best, he was he was playing nine, but he was almost a halfback. He was really controlling the game, a bit like Cameron Smith did at the Melbourne Storm. Yeah. But uh, with him signing for the Eels next year, I don't know if he is getting injured and not playing that well, maybe Ricky will just drop it, really, because we may as well start planning for the future. It's... it's um, Hodgson's won, but in the same basket and, and so similar to the way that they're sort of... They're being held back by the past is Jared Croker, I think. He's another one who, for so long, he was just Mr. Reliable, safe. He'd never let you down. His defence at times was, was questionable, but his goal-kicking, you could never question that. But suddenly, you've got these young outside backs that are just bursting for a chance... And they're held back and just down the pecking order because they're picking off history, not so much the, the present. Yeah, and I think this will be a big Canberra Raiders story in the first month of the competition. He's coming back from an injury croaker. He had a stem cell surgery on his knee, which is not often seen in the NRL. So it will be interesting to see if he can bounce back from that. If he doesn't, like you said there, I think there's actually a few pods. Harley Smith-Shields done his ACL, which is disappointing because I did have him... Mm for a big year and he had a good sort of base he was kind of reminding you of a, of a Josh Mansour but uh, Matt Tomoko he, yeah. he's a good chance to get a run in the centre so I do think he's one to look out for in terms of the pod just bring that uh, best 17 back up on your screens there uh, you see it there Savage at 1 via NRL.com Tommy do you think that plays out uh, I mean I'm not sure they just shift Charms, and then obviously if Charms goes back to fullback, what happens with the centres? You mentioned Tomoka, he probably comes in. 
Croker, he, he was he, he not going to be there for round one? Is that what you just said? I don't think he will be. I think he's racing the clock. I think they'll give him a few mm-hmm. weeks. Well, obviously you have Sebastian Chris who could come in and play centres if need be. and um, Fogarty at seven. I think that helps their attack a hell of a lot. Defensively, he's very good as a number seven as well. And if Croker's not there, he probably kicks goals. So that brings him even more into the Supercoach conversation. This lineup, I mean, I don't know who's putting this together because Elliot Whitehead at, at lock, I, I mean, why would he shift from his edge? He's played edge most of his whole career. And Adam Elliott, I think he plays his best footy through the middle as well. Uh, at least he has uh, maybe super coach bias at the Bulldogs in, in years gone by. But I don't know. Ricky and his forwards, it's it's hard to, to know what's going to happen there. Yeah, well, I think they're off the mark with this best 17, but I'll give them a bit of grace because... It's hard to know what's going to happen. We have so many players, so much depth. I don't know if it's good or bad thing. It's bad for Supercoach because mm. you want to pick some of these players in your Supercoach team, but you know they're only going to get 50 minutes. So it's really hard to do it. I do think the best forwards for Supercoach are both Hudson Young and uh, Corey Harrier and Naira. Usually yeah. when they get good minutes, they, they have really good uh, points per minute. So if they get named in the starting team, I'd be probably favouring them out of the other forwards. I've got here in the notes as well, uh, Joe Tarpanay and Jack Whiten at 3% are the most owned Raiders. That's obviously if you take out Savage. But even then, he's just 7%. And I say take out Savage because I don't know if he's going to be there for round one. Um, may force himself into the team or at least onto the bench for round one in, in a utility role. We've seen that when he made his debut last year. But Tarpanay and Whiten, 3%. It just echoes what you said at the top there, that they don't really have any super coach relevance. And that probably just echoes the fact that their attack in, in at least last year has just been dire. Yeah, it has. And I think Jack Whiten was probably the biggest indicator of that. I was looking at his super catch scores, you know, 2019 and 2020, he was averaging mid to high 50s. And then last year, just averaged 47. So uh, where he averages will probably determine a lot of how we're attacking this year. Yep. But like you said, we really don't have a lot of super coach relevant players, honestly. Like, I don't have anyone in my team from the Canberra Raiders, and I don't really see why I would. I started with Whiten last year. Do you remember that? I said, I think we had it. I said we had, it was a racing two between Walker and Munster. And I tried to get a bit cute, tried to get a bit smart. I liked the Raiders' first three fixtures last year. And I, I was down the Whiten, um, down his alley, because I thought if he starts well, the Raiders will start well, or, you know, vice versa. I could see him making a bit of cash. And he actually, you've got his numbers up there. You can tell me. He, I think he averaged about 45 or whatever it was. He was just completely in, in all sorts and out of form. And from there, it was just uh, playing catch-up at 5.8 from that point on. But I think, yeah, as you say there, he's almost the beacon or the indicator of how well the Raiders are not only playing in the real world, but if their supercoach fortunes are going to be either good or bad. Yeah, 100%. And as you said before, the Nickel Pookstar and Savage fullback battle will be really interesting because whoever wins out there, I think if Savage wins out, he could become a supercoach player because of his speed and he could be really excitement, a real excitement machine. Um, I've got us coming seventh this mm-hmm. year. Maybe I'm being a little bit biased. I don't know. But I do think there's enough quality in the squad to make the finals. If you take out last season, we made three pre- three preliminary finals in five years. So we've been a pretty good force. I'm hoping we can get back to that level. I've got them coming eighth. I think they sneak in. I think that they're just... Whiten, Hodgson, if they're fit, even Nickel Clockstar back and, and fit. I think he was so good for you guys in 2019. I know that was a couple of seasons ago, but 
Uh, his ball playing, I think, is so underrated, and you didn't get that last year with Aikens or Savage at different times. Um, I've got them coming. I, I got, got them coming eighth here, but with a negative record. I think they sneak in almost like the Titans did last year with eleven wins, thirteen losses. But that'll just be too good for ninth. So, sort of again sums up how this competition I see it playing out this year. Anyway. Yeah. Look, I'd, I'd take eighth <laughs> if we got there on a the negative record. I'd take it. But yeah, we'd have to go to a another level to you know match the Storm Panthers type teams. But I do think we can still still sneak into the bottom of the eight. Hopefully. Question here for you. Um, is Ricky Stewart under pressure, do you think, as a fan? Do, or are you happy to have him there still? Because I think performances have obviously deteriorated in recent times. And is it much of a muchness with Ricky? It's just he's, he's trying to play like they did in 2019 and the game's just changed too much since then? I think this year will be a, a really telling year because, you know, we've got depth in every position. We seem settled off the field. There's no excuses this year. So if we can't perform, maybe his, his uh, position will come into question. But... Canberra don't like sacking coaches, and Ricky Stewart's, you know, the favourite son of the Raiders. So, yeah, you have to go pretty bad for him to get the sack. Rightio, let's leave the Raiders there and uh, finish on a high here, Tommy, because we're talking the Sydney Roosters, a team that, um, you know, not just us, but anyone you listen to, and uh, I guess any good judge, they've got the Roosters improving massively. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to say that given that how well they played last year, all things considered, but they overcame plenty to finish fifth. I think there may just be a question mark if there, if there is one about this Roosters team is how do they avoid that complacency or that, that mindset of that just because they've got the troops back in particularly Luke Keery is it just a matter of you know Keery turns up and will finish in the top four or the Roosters are still going to have to play a, a good season of footy to get that high up on the ladder yeah that's, that's a good point because you know everyone us included are assuming they're going to bounce back to how they were when they before they had their injuries and last year they were absolutely awesome despite the amount of injuries they had they still put great performances together every week come fifth most other teams would have probably folded and missed the finals but like you say can we just assume that they're definitely going to just because their players are back they're just going to click into gear straight away i don't know it's a bit of a risk yeah obviously uh best 17 up on your screens there you see uh nagama named ahead of suwali on the wing pomomorovsky into the centers ahead of billy smith so I guess a subplot within all of this is is who wins the race in the Roosters' back five. Now, I put up this tweet. I, I listened to this interview with Joey Marnie via the Roosters' website, and we got absolutely pasted on this on the uh, Supercoach365 Twitter. I said, listen to the answer, which, or more importantly, listen to the question which the Roosters' content producer asked Manu, and they said, how does he like working alongside the likes of Nagama and Momorowski in the back line, as well as Tedesco and Tupo? Now, for mine, if I'm watching that, I'm thinking, okay, well, he's just giving away their back five, potentially, because he's watching, I mean, just just hear me out, he's watching them every day at training. So he gets to see who's obviously leading the race to these spots. Um, and I can speak from experience, is you do get little cues from training as to how the boys are going to run out in the trials, but also at round one. So anyway, we got pasted and people said, oh, you know, you're a hype beast and you, you know, you're talking down Suwali and doesn't mean anything. Okay, all right, I'm happy to cop it, but I'm just saying... I think at least, and, and it's been backed up by articles in the recent times, Suwali and Smith are obviously behind these other two. Momorovsky, he's obviously, they're not signing him to play for North Sydney Bears. He was just in a grand final and one of the best players for Penrith consistently last year anyway. It's probably been one of the best talking points of the off-season in terms of super coach, the Roosters back five, because mm. you've got obviously Tupo is guaranteed 
and Manu is guaranteed. That leaves two spots for Momorovsky, Nagama, Suwali, and Billy Smith. They're four good options, really. Like yeah. you said, Momorovsky comes out of a grand final winning team. Suwali hailed as the next Greg Inglis. <laughs> I don't know. How do you fit them all in? Kevin Nagama is a surprising one. I thought he would have been the fourth K off the rank, but everywhere you look, it seems he's in the predicted team, so I don't know. And we've been big on this, particularly at the Rabbitohs, we're looking at training pictures to see what side of the field people are playing on. In every photo I've seen, Nagama's been training with the first team on the right wing, or at least on the right-hand side of the photos anyway. Tupo's always been on the other side. So it tells me that Nagama won't play left-centre. I think they'll save that for Momorowski. I think he'll play left-centre. Outside, Walker and Crichton, so not a bad patch of real estate there. He doesn't like passing the ball, Momorowski, so 3% owned. He's one player I'd love to have in this Roosters team that I just can't fit in because of his price. But if he's kicking goals like we're hearing as well, he could be a huge asset. Massive. Exactly right. And if he he should get a spot, you'd think he, he comes right into play. Whoever gets the spot comes right into play because Suwali, you know, 54% ownership. If he's not named there on the first Tuesday, uh, there's going to be some super coaches throwing their phone across the room because he's <laughs> yeah. going to be pretty annoying. And I was keen on Billy Smith, but he's not even really getting talked about. So they've got so much depth there. It will be, will be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, other assets. James Tedesco, obviously owned by just 36% of coaches. I find that strange, but then I kind of don't because if you're not having Tedesco, you're probably you're a Tom owner, which, again, I think that we checked last week. Tom was only 10% owned. So I don't know where the other ones are going if they're playing around Tedesco and Tom. And obviously Pappenhausen is one, but Tedesco, I think he'll, his ownership will go up closer to kickoff. Luke Curie back as well, 30% owned, and we've already mentioned Angus Crichton. We know what he can do. Tommy, what do you make of Curie's return? I think we have him priced up as one of the best value buyers to start the the year. We say value because he's obviously discounted off his uh, ACL. But I, I'm getting cold on Luke Curie. I just feel like we've seen before over an extended patch of his career, he, what his super coach output is, they beat up on the uh, Manly side and West Tigers early last year that's inflated his average. I'm actually worried about Luke Carey now. I, I don't think he... I had him when we did our 5-8th preview. I don't have him now, is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's a fair, fair worry just because looking back at his average, you know, even when he was fully fit, he was probably only averaging around 60 just below when he was playing at his best. So... He's not naturally a super coach gun, like maybe a, a Walker or a Munster. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he's going to do a bad job for you. I think I'm pretty keen on the risk to see so are you, and he's going to be a real focal point of that team. But yeah, I don't I don't have him either. I just think there's probably some more guns in that position than Luke here. Already mentioned uh, Momorowski, one player I'd love to have. One player, well, obviously, I mean, you'd, you'd love to have Crichton, but you probably can't have Crichton and Fafita and McInnes or Madison. You can't have them all. I do have Satili Tupanua, 8% owned. I think he's a value buy, probably even better value than Kiri, to be honest, because I know he played a lot of footy last year, Tupanua, but when he did, he was often parked in the centres or even on the wing because how often did you see one of the Roosters outside backs go down uh, last year? You think of the Morris boys and, and Billy Smith in there as well, Suwali at times injured. So Tupanua, a lot of his average, I think he's a 55 average, he's priced to that. He spent most of his year in the centres. So if you're getting a 55 out of your centres, you bring in one, you know, one pass closer to Luke Keery's hip. He's going to be he's going to be churning out 65 points per game. I'm, I'm telling you now, and his average, he should be spoken of heading into this season almost like a Brandon Smith. I've got him up around Smith territories in terms of where I'd have him ranked amongst all second row forwards. 
fair call. Um, honestly, last year he was one of the best players. He was, like you said, a bit of a Mr. Fix-It. Hopefully this year the injury curse doesn't strike and he can just sit on that edge. And like you said, he's probably going to – he's so good for a line break. He hits the hole mm. so well to Benua. So if he can uh, stay fit and healthy, you think he's going to get some of those good scores that you're mentioning there. The other second row for me, Angus Crichton, I know he's talked about he's 19% owned, but I just think he's a great asset to any team. He's as safe as a house in terms of scoring. He's always getting over 70. If he gets a trial, get 100. So I just think he's a great option. Absolutely. I just want to go through the Roosters' first uh, three games here. Back at the cricket ground, and I I can't put a value on that. I think that's at least one or two tries extra per game, the Roosters at the cricket ground. We saw that in the Cronk days. They were just almost unbeatable there. Probably haven't had a good run of consistent footy at the cricket ground since Cronk hung them up because of uh, COVID, obviously, and playing interstate. But back at the cricket ground, I can't understate that or, or oversell that for the Roosters. Knights round one. I think that's a 40, that's a 40 point job, at least. I think we saw what they did to Manly round one last year. They can come out of the blocks firing the Roosters. Knights, I've got them right down the bottom this year. Round two, again at the cricket ground against Manly. Uh, this one, nighttime footy, so maybe you know, a closer game, but I still think they win that. Uh, and round three, obviously away at um, a core stadium, the old Olympic Stadium at Homebush against the Rabbitohs. But of those, and, and sorry, round four before we move on, against the Cowboys up in Queensland. So I mean, it's a great first month, and I can just see them making or scoring plenty of points. And, and players like Tupanua, Momorowski, Tedesco even, I can see them all making cash and proving real great scoring assets, but also you know, cash cow assets as well. Yeah, that first game really stands out, doesn't it? You know, afternoon game against the Knights. Uh, these attacking players we're talking about could really have a field day. The Manly game would be interesting. And then what a game against the Rabbitohs. That'll really be a good indicator as to where the Roosters are at this year. You know, the Rabbitohs have had the wood on them last year, so mm. the Roosters are looking to turn it around for sure. Yeah, uh, Latrell's have turned that one as well, as if we needed any more reason to be excited for the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. Um, what have we got here? Else in the notes. Tedesco's average in terms of his possessions per game went up last year. I just wonder if that goes down with Kiri back and if that hurts or helps his supercoach game. Is he more of a runner? He had plenty of tries last year. I think it was upwards of 20. Career best for Teddy last year in terms of uh, his tries output. I can't, I can't really say too much more for the Roosters. I can't say too much less either. I've got them finishing second, and I know you've got them finishing right up there as well. Yeah, I am second as well. I think the only thing is the complacency, like you said. We can't just assume they're going to do it again. Uh, also, the injuries, I know they last year hoped it was a one-off, but mm. I just fear that some of these injured players, you know, once you get injured once for a season, I don't know, the injury sometimes comes back. And like Luke Keery is a very injury-prone player as well. One before we go, uh, Sam Walker. What do we make of him? Obviously, last year, yeah, not the start. I mean, he was one hundred eighty-seven thousand, and about a month later, he was six hundred k. Obviously, not going to see those price rises this year. But where, where do we think he he slots into the team? Obviously, at halfback. But how much of a focal point will he play? Everyone I listen to, and that's all I can do. Because I, I mean, I don't really have too much of an opinion on him. I, I'm not playing with him this year because of his price. I think we, he's obviously done his job last year. Played a hell of a lot more footy last year than we thought he was going to. Um, so I mean, helped and, and made that decision to go with Nathan Cleary from round one such an easy one because he got, um, you know, lots of minutes, lots of involvement. If he's kicking goals this year, I know he was pretty poor off the tee last year, but if he's kicking goals this year, so watch the trials again. I'll say that. So I've got him ahead of Kiri in terms of his super coach output. I don't think it'll be, you know, Kiri's obviously, we know he's a better player, but Sam Walker, I think, his, his game is very attacking as well. It, it lends itself to, to super coach. 
So I've got him ahead of Kiri. If I had to pick one or two right now for, you know, Supercoach started tomorrow, I'd probably go with Walker. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think what you said, his game with himself to Supercoach is so true. He's such a an attacking flair player. He loves that cutout ball, try assist. I can see him being on the end of like the Roosters attacking play. Kiri probably organising the play and then mm. Walker kind of executing the attack and getting more of the Supercoach points. See, I do agree with you. I don't have him in my team at the moment because obviously... Cleary should really be in your team at Arpac, I think. But um, yeah, he's one to watch and possibly for draft too. Absolutely. All right, the Roosters, we've got them finishing second. Um, let's speak about where the Roosters finish in just a matter of moments. So we're just going to throw to one out after the break. Uh, we're going to talk some of our listeners' questions. There's plenty of fallout from the All-Stars game. Having a bet on sport this week? Top this. Whether you're into cricket and curling or golf and greyhounds, Top Sport will let you on for plenty. And with literally hundreds of markets from your own backyard to the international stage, Top Sport has you well covered. So if you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the game play. You stay in control. Gamble responsibly. Yes, welcome back. Supercoach 365 podcast. We just wrapped up on the Roosters, and Tommy, they're a focal point of this. A special offers or special offer uh, via our partners at Top Sport. They've thrown this one together. How about this? Storm to make the top four. Roosters top six. We've got them coming uh, second, both of us. The Sharks to make the eight, which if you're watching the All-Stars footy last night, that young spine, I think that, that's capable of finishing in the top eight. And the Knights, a team that we've death-ridden uh, to, to this point. Uh, we'll get to them in our next podcast as to where we think they're going to finish, but uh, no guesses there. Knights to miss the top eight. All of that to happen, $5. Uh, I don't think there's a limit on that. So gamble responsibly, but if you uh, if you want to make an investment, I dare say you do it with Top Sport and you get that together. Supercoach365 Futures Special, you'll find it under rugby league at topsport.com.au. What do you make of that? Well, I love it. Um... Uh, obviously our podcasts and what we're saying in them really back up that and I think all four of those things happen personally five dollars looks a great price it was seven dollars so obviously yeah. there's a lot of confidence there from from listeners but uh hopefully it can it can salute in six months time the punters have come for that and I'll tell you what uh the top sport team they've let us know and they've said uh I don't think they're as keen about that now as they were when they put it up as you said seven dollars there um very quickly was it snapped up and into five dollars so still a great price um we'll still be getting all over that ourselves but seven dollars uh, very quickly was that snapped up okay tommy let's uh, get into this uh listeners questions to finish off our favorite part or one of our favorite parts of this uh, a couple here and uh, so we'll get to um, we'll try and get to most of them uh one from deadly jmo underscore instagram he says how has the lock position evolved and how will it affect the traditional lock um, another one here about Connor Watson. So let's tie these two together because we didn't mention Connor Watson there with the Roosters, but what he's going to bring to to the Roosters' attack alongside Victor Radley in that lock position, I think they are quintessential examples of how that position's changed from your likes of Sam Burgess at the at the Rabbitohs rather in that premiership year where it was more about having an extra prop. Now it's more of having an extra five eight. You could say, yeah, and like Tamalolo was sort of seen as a great lock around that era too but now it's more you know your Cameron Murray your ball player Brandon Smith is a pretty mm. good ball player uh Radley and yeah Connor Watson I think it'd be interesting how they use him because I don't think Roosters have a strong number nine really I know Beryls is there but he's not I think he might be even injured at the start of the season but 
yeah, where they use Watson, I don't know. Will they use him at nine or thirteen? I think I think uh, round one. Yeah, you mentioned injured or suspended. One of the two. I don't know why, but I think that that's the case. I think Watson will be nine for round one. If he's not, he's definitely fourteen, and he's coming on. He's playing that Benji Marshall role. I think he plays fifty minutes at least. And he's probably just told, go out there, defend in the middle, because he's a great great defensive player. But then I think he's given that license to Rome, and he's almost at a third half for them even, where he can you know ball play or find Tedesco off a Kiri or Walker. I think there's plenty of upside to Connor Watson. I think he's about $512,000, $520,000 on Supercoach. Again, one of these names that you'd love to have. And if you are going around Harry Green and Hooker, why not chuck in Connor Watson? I think there's some upside there attacking points at least while Harry Grant's missing for round one. Uh, another one here from Matt Buxton, 22. Great to have Matty tuning in. He says, this is not super coach related, but how good were no tackle one six agains last night? Obviously, speaking of that rule change, uh, the six agains and how that's going to be enforced this year. Yeah, I like it. I think it's a good change from the NRL. That was obviously being abused last year, the six again on the first tackle. I do think, though, we've mentioned this a few times now, the lack of six against this year, will it slow the game down? I think last year the six against was making the game so fast and it was yeah. leading to the ridiculous scores that we saw. So, you know, will it be a factor? Will it bring down the likes of, you know, Turbo and Teddy? Will they be scoring less? I think you definitely have to consider it. I've said it a couple of times, particularly when we're speaking about Lomax and Campbell Graham and I think these other centre wingers that primarily had a bigger base... I mean, in years gone by, you pick your centre wingers. You're hoping, you know, you're building a bit of cushion and some insurance with their base. Last year, that sort of went out the window. You went for Garrick and, I mean, I say the but, I mean, you went for more of those high-ceiling centre wingers as opposed to your Jared Crokers of the world who had a good base and kicked goals. Now, I'm not too sure what that looks like. We're going to find out very, very quickly what the impact that has on these higher-ceiling players, I think. I think we'll know within a month of if Supercoach has sort of reverted back to the style we saw in 2020 and, and years before that. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting because last year was so different to what we knew. You know, all these backs, like you said, their attacking stats were just massively boosted. Whether or not that happens again, it's a big factor. Yep. Uh, let's just get to one more here, then we'll wrap it up. And Slip Rail 2 has asked, is Teddy fatigued from carrying last year's team? We mentioned his possessions went through the roof last year. I think he had a career... Uh, career best in, in terms of how many times he was touching the ball per game. Career best in try assists. He played almost every game last year. Uh, suffered that hip pointer injury at times, but it didn't stop him from being there for New South Wales and the Roosters pretty much the whole season as well. So will he be fatigued because his game is very taxing, James Tedesco? No, I don't think so. I think the off-season is long enough. They didn't have any international footy at the end of the last year, which probably helps. And... Mm. He just got engaged as well, so I'm sure he's feeling on top of the world. Yeah, the love, the love side of it. You can't underrate that, the impact of love on Supercoach performances. All right, Tommy, uh, that's about us done for today. Uh, good to get through a bit of footy chat alongside the, the previews of the Dragons, the Bulldogs, the Raiders, and the Roosters. Uh, looking forward to next week. We're going to finish off these team previews and then talk some trial footy, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Two weeks of trials, then Supercoach really gets started and then round one can't wait for all of that follow us on social at supercoach365 if you're not already following us or subscribe to us on youtube head over there search supercoach365 give us a like share turn your notifications on all of that this is ryan and tommy we'll chat to you next week supercoach365
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.